Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. Um, What are you storing up is the question I want to ask us. What are you storing up? We're going to be looking at one verse today. And you might be thinking, how can Rhett, who is not long-winded, talk about one verse for so long? It is deep. It is rich. It is Psalm 119, verse 11, if you want to flip over there. Psalm 119, verse 11, it says this, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. To give you a little context in the entire chapter, we're not going to read the whole thing because it is 176 verses. The longest psalm is chapter 119. And it is all about the law of God. It is all about the precepts of God, the Word of God. It is about how God's Word and how amazing it is. And this specific section that verse 11 is found in, verses 9 through 16, talk about the law, the Word of God, and how it helps us live a holy life, right? So the law of God specifically um, in relation to to holy living is what we're going to talk about. Uh, Before I dive into that, I want to ask you guys, and I'm not advocating that this movie be watched in any way, shape, or form. But how many of you have seen Shawshank Redemption? Okay, a good amount of you guys. If you do not know, I'm going to spoil it, so close your ears, or just, it's been a long time, so you should have watched it by now, if not. But in this movie, Shawshank Redemption, the lead character, Andy Dufresne, is a hotshot banker. He's incredibly successful and smart in what he does. And then he is wrongfully framed and accused of murder. He is convicted and spends, he's supposed to spend life in Shawshank Prison, which is a, if you watch the movie, a terrible prison. I've never been to one, but I'm assuming this one is worse than others. Uh, But as he's there, he gets in good with the warden because he has the ability to manipulate finance and the system and things like that. So he helps the warden with some money laundering and some fraud and all those great ethical things. And while he's doing that, He's in the office one afternoon, and he decides he's going to take the record player and play an opera, but he's not just going to play it in the warden's office. He's going to broadcast it for the entire prison yard to hear. So he does that um, and locks the guards out, and everyone in the prison yard is listening to this beautiful opera, right? The, the worst criminals in the world are there, or in the U.S. at least, and they're listening to this opera, and it's, it's kind of a change of pace for them. And you're like, why did Andy do this? He gets in trouble. They break the glass, break in there, send him to the hole to solitary confinement. While he's down in solitary, um, after he gets out, after a few weeks, his friends are at lunch with him. They ask him, why? um, Well, how was it? Like you were in there for weeks. How was it? And he goes, man, it was easy. It was the easiest time I've done. And they're like, easy time. There's no easy time in the hole. Am I right, guys? No easy time in solitary. I spend like five minutes alone and I'm like, oh gosh, I got to get out with new people. But he's like, it was the easiest time I've ever done. And they're like, why? And he's like, well, I had the music with me. And they're like, did you get to take the record player down there to solitary? And he's like, no, 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 no. I, I had the music in here. I had the music in here is what Andy says. Like, it was with me. No matter what, they, they could take away his freedom. They could take away his friends. They could take away his comfortability, his food, whatever. But they couldn't take away those things that he had stored deep down. Right, that music was something that he had stored deep down and no one could take that away from you. You ever have that thing that maybe it's a certain topic or maybe you're, whatever your job is, you're like, I could not study this thing for a thousand years and still verbatim like spill everything there is about this subject. You know that thing that you just know so well, that thing you've stored up? And that's what David is saying here in the psalm is, I have stored up your word in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. That's this idea that he's storing it deep down, so deep, no one could ever take it, no one could ever steal it, he could never lose it, and it is there for God to use. So we're going to go through verse 11. I, I want to end, start, actually, with the ending of the verse. We're going to start with the second half of the verse because I think it explains the why, the why David is doing this. It says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So I think we have an underline there, that I might not sin against you. This is his why. Why is he memorizing God's word? Why is he storing it up in his heart so that he can not sin against God? Or put in a positive way, maybe I have stored up your word in my heart that I might follow you is another way of saying that. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might follow you, that I might not sin against you. And that is, that is David's main goal in life, his main purpose, right? Like, like we say that and we know that should be our goal as well as Christians, but that's his main goal and everything else is just an extension of that. It's like when we were singing Sinking Deep just now and it says, Lord, you are my one desire. I mean, I sing that and, and I hope you did too, but as I'm thinking about that, I, I change the word sometimes and I'm like, Lord, please be my one desire because oftentimes you're not and I want you to be. And for David, that is his one desire is that he would follow God in such a way. So how is he gonna do that? He is gonna hide God's word in his heart. He's gonna store it up in his heart. So the first half of the verse tells us how he's going to do that. I've hidden your word in my heart. I have stored up your word in my heart. We're gonna look at three different phrases in that first half of the verse, I have stored up your word in my heart. And we're going to jump around because there's a rhyme and a reason to this, I promise. I don't just have ADD. But the first phrase we're going to look at is your word. It's the object. It's the direct object for you grammarians out there. And then we're going to jump over to in my heart, which is the, what, what kind of object is that? Indirect object. You guys got it. And then we're going to go to the last phrase, which is really the first part, I have hidden because it's the main thing that I want us to end on because it's the practical part of it of what does it look like to hide God's word? What does it look like to store up God's word in our heart? So the first phrase, your word, what is God's word for David? Well, it's no different than your and my word, you and the word that you and I have. <laughs> it's no different than the Bible that we have, except it was a little shorter. Instead of having 66 books, David had the first five books called the Pentateuch. He had maybe... Um, some, some historical books that are in the Bible in the Old Testament, and possibly one or two prophets, the writings of a couple of prophets as well. But it was the written word of God written to his people. That's the word that he had, and he treasured it because of who inspired it, right? Words mean a little more when we find out who they came from, right? They just mean a little extra when we find out who they came from. God's word is important, though, because we see that it sustains us, you know? Scripture talks about how in Deuteronomy 8.3, God's word, uh, it, says, it says that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You guys know this. You guys are already hiding in God's word in your heart. I love it. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It should be our sustenance. It should be the thing that feeds us, right? We shouldn't be surprised if we never dig into God's word, if we never eat spiritual food, should we be surprised whenever we are spiritually malnourished. No, just like if you have an athlete, I like to use examples of myself, but this is about an athlete, so I'm not going to. <laughs> we'll say J.J. Watt for this case, or we'll say Caleb Seeley. Say Caleb Seeley, who's one of our guys that played basketball over there. Say he worked out every single day of the week, and then after his workouts, 
all he would do is consume water and bread, and that's pretty much it. Now, after a while of working out, would Caleb be the jacked Adonis that he is? No, he wouldn't. He would, he would, not, be, he would not have the food necessary to provide his muscles the, the, the things that they need to grow. There's a process, and if there's any doctors in the house, you can correct me afterwards, called muscle protein synthesis. I get that one right? Muscle protein synthesis. Your muscles need protein in order to grow after you have, do resistance training and break them down, right? After you go to the gym and break your muscles down, you need protein in order to build them back up. The same thing with the Word of God. If we are running this Christian race and we're going about this walk of faith, but we're not taking in any protein, spiritual protein, which is the Word, we shouldn't be surprised whenever we don't feel close to God. We shouldn't be surprised whenever our spiritual faith is lacking, whenever we are spiritually malnourished. If God's Word is our food and it's what sustains us, it's what we're putting in our hearts, it's what we're putting into our body, we're ingesting it. If God's word is our food, I'm going to give you some examples of different kinds of spiritual food. So this, I'm taking some liberties here, so forgive me if you're like, what are you talking about, Red? But if, if God's word is our food, it's our sustenance, some of God's word is like honey, right? Some of God's word is sweet. It is, it is sweet to the taste. Do you have to tell your kids that they need to like go eat a candy bar? No, I don't even have kids, but I know students at Snack Shack like jump at the bit or chomping at the bit to get the, the sugar and things like that, right? It's sweet. It's easy to eat. Those are like the promises of God, where you, you see promises of God, like 1 John 1, 9, which says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and purify you of all unrighteousness. That's a promise worth holding on to. Or you look at, maybe you have anxiety and stress, and you just struggle with those things, and you look to things like 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I love it. Maybe we don't even need this sermon. You guys are soaring in your heart. Isaiah 26.3 says, I've, uh, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, right? These are promises of God that we latch onto and they're easy to hold on because we're like, man, I want peace. I want forgiveness. We should be latching and grabbing onto those things. Some of God's word is sweet like honey. It's sweet like a dessert, easy to grab onto. And we need to be storing those things in our heart. Some of God's word, if some of it's like honey, some of it is like a steak, how many of you are steak people? How many of you don't like steak? Okay, I'm, I'm not asking you to sell yourself out. If you don't, pretend it's a food that you like that is kind of hearty. Steak is a hearty thing, right? Some of scripture is, is a little tough to chew on sometimes, right? Some of scripture, we read it and we're confronted a little bit. And we're like, man, I, like, that's a deep piece of theology, but I don't, really know, I don't really know what that means. You gotta wrestle with it a bit. If you tried to swallow a steak whole, that wouldn't go well for you. You need to chew it, right? It's flavorful, it's rich, but it also takes some work to ingest it. I know my example is going off the wall. Just deal with it. Some of scripture is like steak, right? It's, it tastes amazing, but it takes a little time to get at that perfect medium temperature. And if it's any more than that, then I don't know if we can be friends. Um, I, I'm reminded of, of sections like in Colossians chapter one where scripture says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Right? These are some of the deep 
rich pieces of theology that we see in Scripture that we need to latch onto those things and, and dig into them. And some of Scripture, it's, you can't just read it at face value and just like, oh, go along your day. Sometimes you have to study it and dig in deep into it. Those are like the stakes of Scripture. Nice ribeye, right? If we have honey, we have those desserts of Scripture, we have the steak of Scripture, then if I'm honest with you, some of Scripture is kind of like, I'll look at the students for this one, some of Scripture is kind of like vegetables, right? I mean, how many of you enjoy veggies? Wow, that, you just ruined my illustration. Any section, do any of y'all not like veggies? <laughs> I don't know about you, we'll pick a vegetable that no one likes, Brussels sprouts. Okay, you can just leave. <laughs> Brian Kilmer, the world's best cheerleader and Brussels sprout fan. Yeah. <laughs> but Brussels sprouts, right? Vegetables don't taste good to me. And if I don't eat them, I'm not as healthy as I could be. I don't enjoy vegetables, but I know that I have to eat them in order to have a well-balanced diet, right? I don't like eating vegetables. You can ask Tiffany. But if she smothers them in enough seasoning and cheese, then they become a little more appealing. I don't know what the scripture equivalent to cheese and, and seasoning would be. We won't go that far. But some of scripture is like vegetables. It's, it's hard to taste. It's not enjoyable, but we need it. Those are those things that call us out on our sin. Those are the things that convict us of sin in our lives. And we read it and we're like, no, I don't like that. I do not like how that tastes. I'll go to the next section. But we have to dig into that. We have to put those words in our heart as well. Or maybe it's, uh, for me, that's like James. James talks about taming the tongue and being slow to anger and quick to listen and slow to speak. I don't like any of that, right? I'm, I want to be quick to anger. If someone frustrates me, I want to let them know about it. But James says, no, 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 do the opposite of that, right? The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So it's like, okay, those are those things like me that are vegetables in Scripture that we need to take them in, but they're not fun. Or maybe it's not a conviction, but it's a challenge. Like Luke 9.23 says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, how often? Daily, and follow me. Daily, take up this cross, this instrument of torture and death, and follow me. I use that verse a lot, and I'm trying to like really think about it when I use it, because that is a pretty intense call to discipleship right there. Or Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. You see what I'm talking about? Those parts of scripture that are hard to read. Like it's not easy to talk about dying to yourself and living for Christ. It's easy to say in precept, I think, but it's really difficult to live out. But we need to take in all parts of scripture the same, right? We need a well-balanced diet, spiritually speaking. You can't go to the Bible and treat it like it's a buffet. You can't pick and choose which parts of scripture you put into your life. Or like, man, I really like where it says that God's going to... Um, you know, he knows my purposes and the plans that he has for my life. It's like, okay, that's a piece of scripture, but also look at these other things which call you out on sin, which challenge you to live differently than you're living right now. We need to put all of scripture into our heart and into our lives. That's the first phrase, the word. These next two I'm gonna go a little quicker through, so don't worry. Second phrase, in my heart. This is where we're storing up God's word. This is where we're storing it. For us, the heart, someone yell it out. When we talk about the heart, what do we usually talk about? Like emotion-wise. Love, yeah. Love, feelings. You ever heard someone say, just follow your heart? Yeah, that's really dumb. The heart is deceitful above all else. I'm sorry, but if I followed my heart, I, my life would not go well. You know why? Because my heart oftentimes wants me to do things that are contrary to the will of God. But for them, 
Back in the ancient days, the heart was more than something that just felt to motion. The heart was the very center of their being. It was where their morals came from. It was where their intellect came from. It was where their even physical sustenance came from. Like for us, we know that the brain kind of tells our body what to do. For them, it was like the heart sustained everything. And the heart was the main part of their life, the very center of their being. And that's what David is saying here is, hey, I'm going to store God's word in the place where it's very deepest inside of me to where if, if this is affected, if the seed goes in here, the word of God goes in here, it'll spread out. And everything that it touches, um, nothing will be exempt from that because the heart is the center of who I am. That's what David is saying. Scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 15, quoting Proverbs 15, which means Jesus stored up God's word in his heart. Now, if Jesus does it, and he's fully divine and fully human, I think we should do it all the more, right? We should do it all the more. Last phrase we're going to look at right here is, I have stored up. And we're going to go directly into some application because this is a verse that calls us into action, right? This is a verse that calls us into action. I have stored up your word in my heart. The context of storing up for them, they didn't have like a national, first national bank of Israel. If they had a valuable, they couldn't put it in a lockbox and send it to Switzerland. They had to bury it deep in their house. They buried it deep in their house so that way if a thief came into their house to try to steal from them, they couldn't find that beloved object, right? It was a place where only they could find it. No one could steal it from them. Just like no one could steal the music from Andy Dufresne, David is saying, hide God's word so deep in your heart to where no one could ever steal it. Satan can't steal it. You won't lose it because it's at the center of your being and you know exactly where it is. That's what he's saying right there. Scripture says that, well, I mean, you and I, Scripture doesn't say this, but you and I store up a lot of things, don't we? We store up a lot of things. Some of us are hoarders of things. Um, Tiffany has to like help me like, get rid of some stuff. I have so many church shirts, it's insane. But we store up a lot of things. We store up clothing. We store up some, maybe you collect like baseball cards or basketball cards or football cards or, or memorabilia or cars. Or maybe you store up in your 401k. Do you do that? You should. For me, it's a 403b. All these things are good and they're fine to store up, but they're, but they're what do they all have in common? They're, they're temporary. They're physical, right? They have an end point, that money will go away. Those things will be exhausted. Those things, other things will be destroyed and r rust and moth will destroy them is what scripture says. But scripture says this about the word of God, grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will last forever. The word of the Lord will stand forever. So we are, are we investing in those things that are physical? Absolutely. Please put into your retirement. Please do that. Please store up things on this earth. Please enjoy different things that God has given you. But if we're investing in these things that are physical and we have so many dividends that they pay out, but we don't invest in the eternal dividends, then we're missing the mark. We're missing the mark if we just are after the physical things that we store up. So how do we store up God's word in our heart? I'm glad you asked. How do we store up God's word in our heart? It's, it's more than memorizing scripture, but it's not less. What do I mean by that? It's more than memorizing scripture, but it's not less. Right? If you, mem you can memorize all the scripture in the world and still not have the life change that comes through the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? You can have all the knowledge up here, but never have it affect your heart. You can know all the Bible stories in the world, but still have never given your life to Christ to follow him. 
You see the picture there? It's more than memorizing, but it's not less. This would be like someone who, you ever watch, that's the sports example, so if you're not sporty, I'm sorry. But you ever watch a game and there's an analyst on there who is really, really knowledgeable, right? Like they know everything. They're like, man, Brady, he, he shortened his arm there. His motion didn't go all the way through or his footwork was bad or that running back didn't take the right read. And you look at the guy and you're like, I don't think that analyst has ever played a day of football in his life. He knows all about it, but he's never lived it out. So you can memorize all the scripture in the world and never live it out. So it's, a, it's an encouragement to, yes, store up God's word in your heart, but then also let it affect you. Let it change you. Let it transform you. It's difficult. It's a discipline. It's a spiritual discipline, but it's not impossible. It just takes effort. It takes a plan. Maybe, maybe you're here and you would say, well, Rhett, I, I can't study scripture because, or I can't memorize God's word because I just... I'm, I'm too old. I'm not looking at a certain section. We'll look over here. I'm too old. <laughs> I, I don't have the ability to memorize scripture anymore. Or maybe you're like, Rhett, I work 70 hours a week. I cannot put, I don't have any extra time. I'm already cutting corners where I can to make things work well, schedule-wise. Or maybe students, you're like, I'm about to go off to college. I'm going to be taking 18 hours. I'm going to be working part-time, I'm going to be in three clubs and a sorority, and I'm also going to be on the chess team. Whatever it is, you're like, I just don't have time. We have time. We just choose to fill it with other things. I have time, and let me just tell you, anytime Pastor Jeremy or myself or Hugh or anyone gets up here and preaches a sermon, this has gone through them first, right? So I'm the one that was convicted of this. I'm like, man, oh man, do I need to dig into God's word more? But we have time. If we had 28, 30 hours in a day, you know what we do? we would fill that time with something else. We always say if we just had a little more, we'd be able to make it work. I, I'm gonna give you this example. I bet if I offered $1,000 to anyone in this room, to everyone in this room, for every verse you memorize from right now until next Sunday, every verse you memorize and come ready to recite it next Sunday, I will give you $1,000. And there is no limit to the number of verses you can memorize. How many of you are like, I'm pulling out my Bible right now? I would be the same because you're like, I have, I have student loans to pay off. I have credit card bills. I, have, I would love to fill my car up with gas, you know, this week. I hope that one, I was hoping that one would land. But why are we so, why would we be so eager to memorize word if there was money attached to it? Because money is valuable to us. If we could get $1,000 for every verse we memorized, I would I'm, I'm super competitive and I would destroy all of you, right? When it comes to that, I would like hit the ground running. I am too competitive, but we would do it because money is valuable to us. Is the word of God more valuable to us than money? Is the thing that lasts forever more valuable to us than those things that are temporary? And I think a lot of times if we look at our life, the answer would be, honestly, no. A lot of times with the decisions we make, we don't treat it like it is. You won't get $1,000. I'm sorry, I can't afford that. I couldn't afford to do it once. In fact, I had a student who, uh, this is kind of a different point, but just an encouragement to you as a church that your students are memorizing scripture. I told him if he, if he came with a verse ready to go the next week, I would give him a snack from Snack Shack. So he did it, and he's like, can we keep doing this? Because he really loves Sunkissed. And I was like, sure, man, absolutely. I expected like one verse. He comes the next week with like four or five verses ready to go. 
And I'm like, I did say I'd give you one per. So I gave him four or five Sunkiss, like sodas, and I'm really sorry to his parents. But that was important to him. You won't get $1,000. I might give you a snack from Snack Shack. But what you will get is you will get knowledge of God. If you store up God's word in your heart, you won't get $1,000, but you'll get something infinitely more valuable. You'll get knowledge of God. You'll get the ability, you'll get those weapons in your tool belt, or those weapons in your tool belt, your weapons in your, what is that thing, the arrow, the quiver? That's it. You'll get those weapons to defeat the enemy, right? I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. David knew exactly what he needed to do if he wanted to live a life that glorified God. Not that that earned him salvation, not that that made him righteous. God alone makes us righteous. The, the, the sacrifice of Jesus and the grace of God alone makes us righteous, gives us salvation, justification from our sin, right? But after that, we're expected. Why wouldn't we want to run after Jesus? And that's where we see him is in his word. John Piper says it this way, and I, I remember I, I really hated when he said this because it felt like a dagger in my, just right in my heart. Uh, but he said, I have never met a strong Christian who did not know much scripture by heart. I was like, I didn't, I've never known a strong Christian who did not know much scripture by heart. And I was like, well, man, that's a bummer. Like, I want to be a strong Christian. Like, do I model that? I don't know. And he's not saying I've never met a Christian, but he's saying, you know, those people that you just, they're so in tune with God that they just drench the spirit and drench the word of God. Like you run to them when you need advice. You run to them when you need peace. You run to them when you just want like, you know, you have those people in your life that are draining. These people would be the opposite of that, right? You run to them because they just look like Jesus. And probably the common denominator is they spend so much time in his word and with him that that's who they start to look like. That's whose actions they start to emulate because they've been around him so much. How can we store up God's word? I'm going to give you three practical things that we can do this week to store up God's word in our heart. And then I'm going to give you some resources because I, I'm such a practical guy. If I don't like hit the ground running and like buy the resource or put a plan in place, I end up not doing that thing. Anyone with me? Procrastinators out there? Maybe you'll raise up your hand tomorrow then. But if I don't put it in place, right, so that's what we're going to do, all right? I'm going to give you three practical things, how we can store up God's word in our heart. First one is to engage with the word personally. Engage with God's word personally. You may be here right now. You are here right now. You're here right now, and that's awesome. Like, it's, it's a beautiful thing we get to gather as a church and dig into God's word corporately. That's an important part of being a Christian. You were saved from your sin, but you were saved to the church, there's no Christian. You can't be a Christian out there floating singly out there. You have to be in the body, right? You can have salvation, sure, but why would you want to be a lifeless limb when you could be attached to the body? But if the only time that you're feeding yourself spiritually is Sunday mornings, if the only nourishment you get is Sunday mornings with Pastor Jeremy, that's a great meal, let me tell you. That's like a full course meal. But then you don't eat again for the rest of the week until next Sunday, you're going to be spiritually malnourished. We have to dig into God's word personally. Find some time. Maybe it's, maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's at lunch. Maybe some of you take the parking ride downtown. Whatever it is, you have lots of time if you do that. In the car rider line, I know y'all spend obscene amounts in the car rider line from talking to some of the parents at the schools. Find some time to dig into God's word. And this is an encouragement to me as well and a challenge to me because it's gone through me, y'all. It has gone through me first. So engage with the word personally. Second one is to memorize 
One verse a week. One verse a week. I know that sounds daunting because you're like, I memorize zero a week right now, so that is infinitely more than I currently do. Memorize one verse a week. Jesus had the word on his heart. We talked about how he quoted scripture constantly. When he was in the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan, three times he responded with what? Scripture. He responded with the word of God to combat temptation. If you memorize one verse a week, that's 52 in a year. I know math. Thank you, Rex, taught me these things. That's 520 if you do it across 10 years. And then if you did it across 50 years, if you started memorizing scripture now and did it to the rest of your life or however long that is, you could memorize over 200 or 2,500 verses, right? Just to give you a glimpse of like how that scripture starts to add up, right? Store of God's word in your heart. One of my favorite uh, Christian testimonies, you know, I always, people ask you, who would you have lunch with? And sometimes this guy ends up on that list, sometimes not, just depending on the week. But one of those guys for me is Dawson Trotman. He died a long time ago, but he was the founder of the Navigators. And the Navigators are a collegiate ministry that started out in the military, then spread to colleges after the GI Bill, and then spread across the world now with different missionaries that they have and across campuses and just all around the world, the work that they do. They're really focused on scripture memory, generational discipleship, spiritual disciplines. Like they are very good and, and, and structured in what they do. But something Dawson, a, a tool that Dawson made was called the topical memory system. If you're like me and if you don't have a plan in place, you won't do it. This is something that helped me. It's a, it's a, I think it's 60 verses in the pack and you literally have a little verse card and you can study it just, just in your pocket. It's a little pack that comes with it and you just open it up, flip it around whenever you're on the subway. We don't have subways here. The buses, you're just in the car rider line, you're walking, you're in the elevator, whatever it is, dig into God's word and commit it to memory. Uh, someone said this, it was Billy Graham said this about Dawson Trotman, in fact, you know Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist maybe that we've had in our lifetimes, and, and maybe the, I think, the biggest impact on the kingdom that we had in the 20th century. He said this about Dawson Trotman, I think Dawson has personally touched more lives for Christ's sake, lives for Christ's sake, than anyone that I have ever met. Like, oh man, why did Dawson have such an impact on those around him? Because he dove into God's word. He committed it to memory. He stored it in his heart. That didn't earn him grace. Let me say that again. I don't want you to get it mistaken. But because he was in God's grace, he wanted to know him more. And his life reflected it. I'll give you a challenge. You can ask me about my verse next week. Next Sunday, come up to me. And if I don't have my verse memorized, you can, don't shame me, but like you can challenge me. Be like, Rhett, come on, man. You gave out this challenge. I'm going to join it as well. The last thing that I would encourage you to do is find accountability. Find accountability. There's a reason why you look at people who have trouble working out or diets or things like that. There's a reason why we like to work out in pairs or in groups. Some people are just loners, but some people like to work out in groups. That's why CrossFit, Camp Gladiator, all these different things are so big because we want community. We need that to push us on to the thing that we're trying to achieve. Just like in this Christian life, we need that accountability. So find some accountability. You can take out your phone right now. I'm okay with that. And text someone if they're going to be your accountability and say, hey, I just want to say this now so I can't take it back. Please keep me accountable to these things. Please keep me accountable to the spiritual disciplines. And students, this is for you, but it's for the church as a whole as well. But you're about to go off to a, a new season of life. 
whether you're remaining here, graduates, whether you're remaining here, locally going to school, or working, or, or you're going off far, you guys are, are going to enter to a different time of life where your fellowship and, and your Christian walk is, is going to be a little different. Your parents aren't going to, and if you live at home, they might make you go to church, which is good. But you get to decide now if you're going to wake up on a Sunday morning. You get to decide if you're going to go to home group. You get to decide if you're going to dig into God's word on your own. Are you going to see fellowship as something that's important enough to dive into it? That's a challenge. That's, I've, and I'll tell you guys in the shelter. But the first thing you should do is unpack your bags at college. Second thing, find a church. Find a local assembly to get plugged into. We need accountability, don't we? I have a slide right here that has some different resources for you. Um, there, there are four of them. The first one is tips for memorizing scripture. I, I, I'm a big tip guy. I, not like I don't tip big. I don't have the money for that. But I love like encouragements and, and, and kind of hacks that people have of like, hey man, if you want to do this, these are some tricks to try. Not some tricks, but some methods to try. That's a video right there by John Piper. If you scan that QR code, that'll take you to a link tree that has all those on there. So scan that QR code even if it's just to humor me. Um, so that way you have those resources available. The second one up there is the topical memory system. It's $19 on Amazon. $19. We pay that much for like two burgers if we go out. Not at the same time. But we pay that much for so many different things. Do we see the word of God as something that's worth investing in? Topical memory system. There's a couple of different devotionals that I have on there at the bottom. One is New Morning Mercies. The other one is Walking with God. If you don't know where to start when it comes to digging into God's word, that's an okay place to be. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to start. We do that in life. We're like, I don't know where to start with my diet, so I just don't. I don't know where to start with working out, so I just don't, right? Any, any method, any kind of resource like that is better than none. So dig into God's word. If it's five minutes, if it's 10 minutes, if you need a devotional to help walk you through and have God's word kind of given to you a little bit so that way you can learn to, to walk on your own with it, do it. Do it. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.